0: Today, I want to talk to you about three essential qualities you need to live out your life. And I was really trying to think about what this message should be, given that, you know, it's kind of the last one of the year, last Sunday of the year, and what is it we need. And, and these three qualities, as I thought about what we need, and I thought it really reflects kind of what some of the things that God has showed me over the last year. Uh, and they are, there are these qualities, faith, courage, and truth. Faith, courage, and truth. Now think about how essential those are to your life. How essential is faith to your life? How essential is courage? And how essential is truth to your life? And as I was praying about it, God really led me to to the book of Joshua, chapter one, because all three of those qualities are contained within that first chapter. And it was a great reminder, you know, as God just kind of put on my heart, the book of Joshua for this message today, of how important the word of God should be in your life. And, it, and I know everyone who professes Christ will say the word of God is really important. But I want to just kind of emphasize that unless we're actively reading it, we're going to miss out. You know, that's the thing. It's not like shame if you don't. It's kind of like you're going to miss out on what God wants to say to you. Because the Bible is, a, is, a, is so personalized that when you begin to read it, the spirit of God begins to stir your heart and show you things and make application that maybe you never even thought about in your life. You, you kind of come in unexpected. Wow, I didn't know I was going to see that, experience that, read that, or whatever. So let me just take you to this first quality. And the first quality is faith. Can you say that with me? Faith, faith. all right. Joshua chapter one, beginning in verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua. Now let me just kind of set the, the scene for you. Moses has been in charge. He's led them through the wilderness. They come to the, to the Jordan River, and uh, Moses is not able to go across the Jordan, but now the baton is passed to Joshua. And so you can see already that this transition is a tough one. I mean, he's following Moses. That's pretty big shoes to fill, amen? But anyway, so God says, I, I, I want to set the tone. After the death of Moses, my servant, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua. See, we believe in a God who speaks. You say, well, is it audible? Well, I think it's sometimes louder than audible. Have you ever had God just kind of speak to you and you go like, that couldn't have been any louder if, it had, if God had tried? Because he got your attention in that deepest part of who you are. And it says the Lord spoke. Now, how does God speak? Well, sometimes God will speak through, your, through the word. You're just reading the word of God, and God will say, that's for you. And he'll make the application. Sometimes it'll be through somebody else, maybe somebody else who's reading the scripture to you or talking to you about a circumstance, and you almost go like, have they been reading my mail? (laughs) Have you ever had that uncomfortable feeling? Like, wow, I think God is speaking to you, uh, through you, to me right now. So God speaks. Um, And it says, he spoke to Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. Do you notice that there's not like this moment to grieve, this moment to reflect. It's like we have a job to do. You have a task to do, Joshua, and I want you to do that task. And the thing I found about faith, we're going to kind of drill into this a little bit more today, but the thing about faith is faith is always an action word. Say, well, I have faith in what? In God to do what? And you ke- if you keep asking those questions like, okay, faith in God, because your faith has to be objective. It's not subjective. You ever heard anybody say something like this, hey, I just believe everything's going to work out. That's the dumbest statement in the world. But how many have not said that? I don't know anybody. I've said it. I just feel like it's all going to work out. But it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you stop and think about it. Because I always ask people when they say that to me, I go, well, have you ever been wrong? Did things not work out for you, what you said? Well, yeah. I said, okay, so that's not where we want to put our faith. We don't put our faith in the subjective. We want to put it in objective God. My faith in God, okay, and in the promises of God. We're going to see that. He said, so arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people to the land which I am giving them. Now, notice what was found in this section, a promise. When you read the word of God, read it slow enough to see what God is saying. Get the depth of everything he's saying. He says, okay, now I'm setting the tone. You're going to take over, Joshua, but this is the land I'm giving you. So in one sense, Joshua had to take the land. In another sense, God was giving them the land. And this divine partnership works throughout Scripture. It works throughout your life. You have to say, okay, what is God showing me? What are the promises of God? And what do I have to do to make this a reality? And that partnership with God is so powerful that if you miss it, you're gonna be sitting in your room waiting for God to do something. I'm just waiting on the Lord. Well, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. No, you you can't do that. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you had a waiter? And he's in the back room? And you're waiting on him. Where's that guy? Where's that gal? Right? You're waiting. You see, uh, the best waiters are the ones who go, can I help you? What do you need? And see, when you wait on the Lord, what you're doing is, God, how can I help you? What can I do? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I engage in what you want, want done? And that's what it, so, so faith always has this action dimension uh, tied into it. He said, I'm giving this land to the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. So what's the criteria? You can't stand still. You cannot stand still. You have to keep moving. See, this promise reaches back, all the way back to Abraham, then to Moses. And the idea was, Abraham, all the land that you, you tread upon will be yours. In other words, if you limit yourself to a small territory, then that's all I'm going to give you. But if you extend your territory and say, I'm going to go far and wide in what God wants me to do, you know, it's just as easy to believe God for big stuff than small stuff. Have you ever thought about that? Why not believe him for big stuff? Just why not trust him for, to do amazing things rather than go, well, I don't want to burden him. Well, trust me, God's okay. He's he not overburdened. He's, he's fine. You don't have to worry about him. So every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. You know, he could have said every place that you go, but he didn't say that. He said the sole of your foot will tread upon. Why would he say that? You see, feet are always tied into the purposes of God in Scripture. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring good tidings of peace. Moses is standing before the burning bush. He says, take off your shoes. The ground upon which you stand is holy ground. Because feet are always tied to action. And you say, okay, what am I going to do to see God work in my life? God says, I've given it to you already. So it's not you have to take it, it's given, but you have to take it because it's given. Sounds contradictory, doesn't it? See, you have promises, right? The promise is that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, isn't that a divine promise? Okay? But then it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? That means always be reviewing your life. How am I doing with my walk with God? How how is my love for God doing in my life? Work it out. Work it out with how? Fear and trembling. Because what you have is a precious treasure in an earthen vessel, Paul told the Corinthians. That, that, that Spirit of God is implanted in you, but it is a treasure hidden within this earthen vessel. Now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can be grieved. That's why it says grieve not the Holy Spirit. He's called a, a dove. You ever notice that in Scripture? He's equated to a dove. If you've ever, if you've ever seen a dove or know anything about them, they're very frightful. They, they're, they kinda, they'll they kind of fly off easily and quickly. And, and see, the idea is the dove, the Holy Spirit, when he comes... He can leave, he can leave in, in, in the sense of his fullness quickly out of grieving because of your sin. So the idea is Holy Spirit is always resident in you, but he's not always reigning over you. He's resident. He's not going to leave you, but that doesn't mean he's reigning over you. doesn't mean you have a corner on him because you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, the, and the, the idea of filling there is a continual feeling and being over the influence. So you have enough of the Holy Spirit that He has influence over every part of your life. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, Well, how do I know if I'm filled? Well, it says you have influence over every part of your life. If he doesn't, you're not filled. We create these categories to try to help people you know, understand, well, you know, he's a Christian, he's a good Christian, he's a really good Christian. You ever heard that? Right? And that other guy, well, he's, no, he's none of those. But those are, those, are, those are arbitrary conditions and classifications that man has created, not God. God has two classifications for Christians in Scripture, either spiritually or carnal. Either walking with God or you're not. Either filling the flesh or filling the spirit just makes it really simple. Then you can go up to somebody and say, are you spiritual or carnal? Try it today. Because <laughs> you're one or the other. He does the same thing with salvation. You're the saved or you're not. See? God makes it really simple. We make it really complicated. So what does faith require? It requires action on your part. So let's say you're trusting God. You say, i got something I want to see God do. Okay, write it down pray but now God says what are you going to do what's your side of the equation what's your partnership with me in this you have to take action you have to do something and remember faith always relies on the promises of God what has God said on this subject anything related to this subject what can you find well you don't know unless you're in the word of God that's why we started by saying be in the word of God so that God can speak to you from the word of God Really interesting scripture, and in, uh, I was talking to, to our son Josh this week, and uh, scripture in, in the book of Psalm, I believe it's 106, and it says that it talks about Israel and then the wilderness. And it says they craved evil things. And then it's the next verse says this, and God gave them the desires of their heart, but he sent leanness to their soul. Now let's take that apart a little bit. They're in the wilderness. They want the wrong things, and God said, "I'm going to let you have the wrong things." And what it's going to do—the end result—is going to be your soul is going to be lean. In other words, it's not going to be full. You're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, spiritually. And I'm going to let you do that, so you come to a place where you go like this: I don't like this. This is not fun. I think all of us have had that experience where we we may have been a little bit further away from the Lord, and it was the being away from the Lord that drew us back to the Lord. Well, I don't like this. This is not where I want to be. I've I've experienced too much of God's fullness to be here. I want to be over here back with God. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Here's a promise. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So God says, I expect you to be asking and thinking about what I can do, but I'm going to do more than that. That's just where you your basically baseline is asking and thinking. But watch what I can do when you ask and think. So if you're not asking and thinking, I'm not, I can't do anything. It says on one occasion that Jesus went into this town of Capernaum and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Do you realize that Jesus, it says he could not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus could not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. Sometimes God's not doing mighty works in our life because of our unbelief. We don't expect God to do something, so therefore God says, I'm not going to do it. Other places Jesus would go, he would do just multiplied miracles. Why? Because of the belief was there. And so faith, that's why we talk about a community of faith. You see, our faith resonates with one another. When you hear somebody talking about what God's doing, what does it do to you? It doesn't, make you, doesn't discourage you. Go like, wow, God's a great God. I want to trust God for some stuff too. I want to see what God can do. And I always think that you have for faith to really be real faith, it has to push beyond your comfort level. If you're comfortable with your, what you're believing God for, you're probably not living in faith. It's got to be like miserable I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've trusted God for something, and I come home from i I'll say something in a service, and I'll come home and go, tut, tut, why'd you do that? Now everybody's going to ask you about it. Right? Have you ever done that? Just like, oh, I'm trusting God, but I want to tell anybody because if it doesn't happen, well, no, no, you want to tell everybody so it does happen because you're going to press into faith. You know, when we're buying, planning to buy this building next door, I can't tell you a million times I just said, what am I doing? What are you thinking, Phil? You don't need that building. You know, squeeze in with the kids across the street. It'll be fine. I, no, really. I mean, if you, if you think I don't go through that, I go through that too. All of us go through that. But, and, and the idea is push yourself into a realm where you, God has to come through in your faith. He has to come through in your faith because that's why you're living your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, that is, he exists, and he is the God of the Bible, and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Did you hear that? God is a rewarder. God. Who? For for those who diligently seek him. So it says that, Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think, how? According to the power that works within us. His spirit in you is what brings you to the place of faith for trusting him for those great things beyond what you could ask or think. How about Psalm, or Job chapter 22? Listen to this one. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you. When you declare, what's a, what's a declaration? This is what God's gonna do. God says, okay, I'm, I hear that, I'm marking that down. Now let's keep pressing into that. Luke chapter 11, Jesus talked about faith, and he said, you know, when you, when you trust me, sometimes you seek and sometimes you knock, um, and sometimes you have to press in hard, right? You ask and you seek and you knock, so there's, there's levels of pressing into God in faith. You can't just say, well, I'm just going to trust God. Well, I think that's good, but if you don't see it happen, what are you going to do? Then you're going to seek, you're going to ask, you're going to knock, and he gives the illustration in that scripture in Luke 11 of knocking. Guy comes at midnight and there's no, he needs bread from his friend. The bread doesn't, the man doesn't care about his friend. He just says, go to bed. My kids are asleep and I don't want to wake him up. And so what happens? He says, no, I'm going to keep knocking until you come. And that is a kingdom principle about prayer and faith. That when you don't see the answer coming, then press harder They said of this great preacher, D.L. Moody, maybe you've heard of him from Chicago, said when he prayed, he was so bold, it seemed like he was treating God with disrespect. Hmm, Interesting, huh? You know, um, back in April, we started something called American Faith, and we did it. It a reaction, I'll be honest with you. It was a reaction to what was happening in our culture, and little did we know what God was going to do with it. And, and uh, here's just a couple of stats. I just want to give you kind of a report at the, here at the end of the year. But we have 2 million-plus monthly visits to the website, 53,000 daily newsletter subscribers, 48% open rate. And, and if you don't know anything about open rate, that's amazing. Okay, That just doesn't happen. And a 30% click rate. You know? And it's amazing to me how how this is making a difference in people's lives. And so I really believe that what you have to do is you have to say, we've got to go from about four or five different angles in order to make a difference in our world. You can't just do one, you know. Uh, My granddad was a farmer, and and he taught me how to milk a cow one day, and and he would use a one-legged milk stool. Now You think, where is this going, all right? Well, just hang with me. And so, uh, I, so I went to pick up the one-legged milk stool. He said, no, you're not ready for a one-legged milk stool. You have to be experienced because a cow can kick forward and backward. Really? This is interesting. You know, I'm about 9 or 10 years old. And uh, he said, you get that three-legged milk stool. So that way, when you have to run from the cow, you don't trip over the stool when it falls over because it's one-legged. You know, my, my granddad only went through third grade his father died, and he had to take over a farm at 13, um, and farm 500 acres till he was 88 years old. So he wasn't educated, but he was pretty wise. And he got done, and he said, uh, "So we got done milking, and I learned how to do it, and realized I didn't like it. And uh, if you've ever milked a cow, it's just not, not good. It doesn't seem proper, you know. I like to get the milk in the carton, forget the cow." But here's what he said to me when we got done. He said, let me tell you the importance of a three-legged stool. So you should always have three streams of income in your life. He said, because you never know. He said, that's why I have, I have chickens, I have cows, and I have soybeans, corn, or whatever else I'm growing. And in your life, you think about wisdom. So the Bible says in Proverbs that, that it's, wisdom, it's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Those three things always have to be part of your life. And so when we think about how we attack problems, we attack it from prayer and faith and believing in the local church. We attack it from news media outlets. We check. We, we attack it from music, all these angles, because we're, we're, we're about our Father's business, amen? I'm happy to announce that, uh, and I think we have a slide on this for our American Faith Gala coming up. We have Dennis Prager is going to be our speaker. So we're excited about that. We'll give you details on on how to get tickets and get tables for that if you want to do that. So faith is the first thing. Let's go on to the next one, courage. Can you say courage with me? Courage. Courage. You know, I'm not sure what courage is, but I know when I have it, and I know it when I see it in somebody else. I don't think anybody that's ever won the Congressional Medal of Honor ever thought, saw themselves as courageous. They always have the same kind of testimony. Well, wow, I just, I had to respond to the situation. They didn't know a resident within them was courage. So they were in a situation that demanded courage and therefore they were able to act. Put yourself in situations that demand courage, not complacency or ease of life. Joshua chapter one, verses five and six, no man shall stand before you all the days of your life. That's a pretty good promise. You're gonna be fine, trust me. He said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. So what have I gotta do? I've gotta be strong and I've gotta be courageous. When you find yourself in a situation where you're, you're backing off of it, ask yourself, am I being strong and courageous here? And if you're not, then lean into it. Have you ever noticed that fear gets bigger when you run from it and it gets smaller when you face it? Fear grows and just, you know, just, you know uh, over and over. It just grows leaps and bounds when, I, when, I, when I'm afraid of it and I'm running from it. What are you going to do? That's why Proverbs says, The wicked flees when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Say, what verse is it in? I don't know. It's in Proverbs. Let me tell you why I tell you that. Because I read proverbs on on just about a daily basis, corresponding to the day of the month. So, like today, you're going to go read the 26th proverb, and then you're going to do that all your whole life. But what if you forget? You have to go back and no, no, it's guilt-free Bible reading. It's really cool. <laughs> guys love this one. Guys love guilt-free belt because all guys are just like guilty anyway. <laughs> they just they just we're just born guilty. We don't even know what we're guilty of and. You know, our moms look at us, and we know we did something wrong. We're not sure what it is. And then we graduate to a wife, and we know the same thing. I, I, I know I did something wrong. So guilt-free Bible study is really good. So what you do is you get, uh, you're learning a lot today. You don't really think you'd learn. But anyway, it's the last one of the year we get to kind of have fun with this. So um, in guilt-free Bible reading, you, you, Proverbs, you read 26, 27, 28. You forget four days. You just pick up where you left off. So I've probably, uh, I probably have 3,000 Proverbs memorized, but I don't know the references to any of them because I got them through repetition. And see, repetition just keeps going. And that way, if you have stored up in your heart, even if you don't know the address, you know the Scripture. And then when the Holy Spirit demands a situation, then you can draw from your heart out of this deep well of the Word of God. And that's what you want. You want to have enough uh, inventory of scriptures in your heart that when the situation demands a scripture, you've got an answer that therefore becomes the basis of your promises. Isn't that cool? And that's why I just read it. I tell people to read the book of Revelation even if you don't understand it because it has a promise. "Blessed are those who read and those who hear the words of the Revelation. It doesn't say blessed are those who understand it. Isn't it amazing? I, got, I get in there about chapter seven, got scared. Yeah, keep going. It'll get better about chapter 19, verse 11, when Jesus comes back. Amen? All right. Joshua 1, 7. Be strong and be very courageous. Isn't it interesting? He he, kind of amped it up a little bit. He said, be strong and now be very courageous, all right, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So I'm going to be strong, but I've got to be very courageous, and I think, it's, I, I think it's interesting that when he ties us in, he ties it in with the Word of God because sometimes we're timid about the Word of God in our life and, and how we talk to people. So you've got to be very courageous. My servant commanded you, do not turn from the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So what he's saying is the Word of God is not, is not a good suggestion. It's a commandment. Well, I kind of, I, you know, I, I, I believe the Word of God, but... If you got a butt Christianity, you're in trouble. I believe it, but. Yeah, i got some wiggle room over here with God. No, God doesn't have any wiggle room. You're either walking with God, doing the word of God, or you're not doing the word of God. It's really simple. You're not making excuses for God's word. Yeah, I know it says that. God gave ten commandments, not ten suggestions. Okay? So it says here, um, do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper. So, what happens if I turn? I don't prosper. Prosperity is more than making money in Scripture, prosperity is wholeness of living. So, it has to do with your physical and your mental, your spiritual, your emotional. Every dimension of your life is considered to be prosperous. So, you can have, you can have a below average income and be prosperous in Scripture. Isn't that interesting? You don't have to be rich to be prosperous in, in biblical terms. I mean, how many rich people do you know which exchange their, all their riches for good health? Who exchange all their riches for unity within their household? Who exchange all that they have for, you know, I mean, just fill in the blank. That's what we want to do. We want to be prosperous in the biblical sense of the word where, well, everything is kind of working. That's what shalom means. The Hebrew word shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. You don't have the peace of God, shalom, if something's missing or something's broken. You're losing out on something. So strength and courage are not optional. Strength and courage are not optional in your life. I have to have strength, I have to have courage. I don't want to be courageous, too bad. God says go be courageous. There's nothing better than when you're courageous. no better feeling than when you're courageous. It's God feel good about myself. I'm courageous here. I did something. Listen to this. Fear is the boundary line of Satan's power. Fear is the boundary line of Satan's power. The moment you step over the line of fear, you destroy his control in your life. Let me give that to you one more time. Fear is the boundary line of Satan's power. The moment you step over the line of fear, you destroy his control. See, the only way that Satan can control you in any way is by fear. Courage carries a promise, prosperity. Now, I'm not making this up. It's just in the scripture. You will prosper wherever you go. Be strong, be very courageous, and you will prosper wherever you go. You want to be prosperous or not? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom, the peace of God. Winston Churchill said this, courage is rightly esteemed the first of human qualities because it is the quality which guarantees all others. If you have courage, you can build on it. If you're afraid of your shadow, you can't build on that. Let's go to the third one, truth. Can you say truth with me? Truth, all right. Joshua chapter one, verses eight and nine. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. What does that mean? You speak the word of God. Do You know, know, the, the Bible says that God spoke the world into existence. You remember that in Genesis? He spoke the world into existence. And so many times when he would heal somebody, he would speak it. He told us when we wanted to move a mountain to speak to the mountain. Now, what's going on here? Well, what's going on is that God recognizes and wants us to recognize the value of speech in setting our destiny. That's why the words of your mouth can be life or they can be death. You can speak curse over, your, over the ground you walk on, and you will walk on cursed ground. And then you'll, then you'll curse because you're walking on cursed ground that you curse. Hmm. All right. But, it, but you shall meditate on it day and night. What does meditation on it mean? You don't have to sit in the lotus position. I got in the lotus position one time, couldn't get out for two weeks. <laughs> but what does it mean to meditate? It means to take a scripture and just roll it over in your mind. What does that mean? What are you trying to say to me, God? Wow, that's good, God. Ponder it deeply. That you may observe to do according to all that is written. There it is again. You see how God keeps going back this, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will have your way prosperous, but not until then. Then you will have good success, but not until then then you'll have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. This is a pretty good promise. You see, God is with you. Remember, he's with you as a resident, Holy Spirit, but it doesn't mean he's reigning. So you can have God go with you wherever you go, but guess what? He's not bringing prosperity, biblical sense, and power to your life because you're walking in your own way, but you say, but he's here. Yes, he is. He's not going to leave you or forsake you, but he's not king. He's not Lord in your life. You see, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. So what do we do? We speak the word. We speak the word of God. Just speak it what do I do? How do I speak it? Just open up Psalms, for example, and just begin to use that as your prayer life. So you go to Psalm chapter one, uh, you know, and it says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on that law, does he meditate day and night? So you turn that into your own prayer. God, would you bless me because I'm not going to stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful. But God, I want to delight myself in the Lord. Psalm goes on to say, then you will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. God, I want to be a tree planted by streams of living water. I want to yield my fruit in all my seasons. And you just take the word of God and speak the word of God out. You say, I don't even know how to pray. I tried to pray for an hour. You know, could you not pray with me an hour? Jesus told the disciples in the garden. And I went like, you know, a minute and 40 seconds and ran out of stuff to pray about. I prayed for every person in China. And, you know, and I went through the list. I mean, I'm out. What do I do? Pray scripture. Just pray scripture. You'd be surprised how it changes your prayer life. And then meditate on the word of God. Don't, you know, it's fine if you want to read the Bible through in a year, but I also slow down long enough to meditate on it. Amen? To slow down, and go, God, what are you saying here? This is so good. So the word of God, what? What does it do? It promises your way will be prosperous. These are pretty good promises. It promises us that you will have good success. And it promises that God's presence will go with you wherever you will go. Here's a couple of scriptures that aren't on the, on the screen, but I just think they're so good. Leviticus 26.8, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. I like that. How about Joshua 23, 10? One one man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he is the one who fights for you as he promised you. See, these are all promises for you. You just take and read them, go, I like that one. That's gonna be my promise. That's gonna be my life verse, so to speak. So you need three things in your life if you're gonna really succeed well. You need faith, you need courage, you need truth. If you don't have those, you're gonna you're gonna be missing out on what God wants you to have coming into the next year amen all right so let's uh let's stand together and and I want us to uh, want us to pray I want you to take these three qualities think you know in, usually in a, in a sermon like this one something is going to stick out in your mind as being that was for me or that really makes sense to me then embrace that take that and let God use that in your life amen so, pray with me now. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will apply in my life faith and courage and truth. God, if I've departed from your word in any way to the right or to the left, God, bring me back to the center of walking with you and trusting you. Holy Spirit of God, I pray you'll speak to every one of us as only you can, powerfully, mightily, in our inner man, in our inner spirit, that we might walk with the Lord all the days of our life and glorify you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.